Aloha and welcome to Elevating Motherhood. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Lori Beth Aldridge. I've taken my passion for conversation, perspective, and supporting moms and turned it into a podcast. My goal is to talk openly about motherhood, offer new ideas, and help moms find their confidence in this busy and sometimes overwhelming world we live in. We're going to dive deep, open up, and elevate motherhood. Thanks for being here with me. Let's get started. Today's episode is sponsored by Homeschool Explained, an online course I created to help parents find their confidence as they begin their homeschool journey. Homeschool Explained is also for families who are already homeschooling, but feel like they could use more resources and a confidence boost to keep going. My course is designed to save you time. It can be really overwhelming typing how to homeschool into an online search engine and spending hours sorting through the results. I took over 15 years of homeschool experience and condensed it into a three hour instructional video. With Homeschool Explained, there will be no more maddening online searches for how to start homeschooling. This is me, a passionate veteran homeschool mom, walking you through Homeschool 101 in just under three hours. The course is logical and easy to understand. I've recently updated the downloadable PDF that is also included in the course and added ongoing encouragement. So your learning doesn't end when the tutorial video stops. At least once a month, I'll upload a new encouragement for you. This month, I'll be talking about homeschooling while traveling, which is exactly what we are doing right now. Previous encouragements include an audio for parents who are teaching their young children to read and a video about joyful journaling, how to bring joy into writing and record keeping. I used to teach in-person workshops when I lived on Maui to help families gather all the information and resources they needed, answer all their questions, alleviate concerns, and help them get organized as they started homeschooling. Homeschool Explained is the online version of those workshops. I totally get it. Starting any new journey can be really overwhelming, especially when it comes to rethinking how your kids are going to get an education and that you are going to be the teacher. But don't worry, there is so much support and freedom in homeschooling. It's doable, it's fun, and it takes way less time than most people think. In Homeschool Explained, I show you what modern homeschool days actually look like, all while covering major topics like curriculum, homeschool styles, subjects to teach, cost, state laws, socialization, and so much more. This course takes the guesswork out of where and how to begin and leaves you with solid support and resources from day one. I would be honored to help you start your homeschool journey with confidence. Find out more at homeschoolexplained.com. That's homeschoolexplained.com. Today is a very special interview. I had the honor of interviewing Sally Clarkson, someone whose work I've leaned into very often in my life. Sally is such a loving resource for my homeschool, mothering, and spiritual growth. In this episode, we're talking about her new book, Tea Time Discipleship, Sharing Faith One Cup at a Time. I read it from cover to cover, and wow, 
What a gift. Sally shares from the heart about how simple everyday practices like tea time can be a catalyst for connection, friendship, hospitality, ministry, and encouragement. It's a foundational tool for women to center their hearts and draw nearer to God and one another. And wow, do mothers need that right now more than ever? We need the opportunity to be impacted by an encouraging host and the opportunity to be such a host. The world tells us we're too busy for such things, but Sally reminds us that we're not and that there is everlasting greatness in the small moments with those we love. Sally Clarkson is a best-selling author, renowned speaker, and beloved mentor who has dedicated her life to inspiring countless women to live for Christ. She's sold more than a million books, and her podcast, At Home with Sally, has received more than 20 million downloads. Sally has been married to her husband, Clay, for more than 40 years. They have raised four adult children together, and today Sally splits her time between the mountains of Colorado and the rolling fields of England. Without further ado, let's welcome the hospitable Sally Clarkson to the show. Aloha, Sally. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's such an honor. I just love uh, what you do. I love your heart, and I'm looking forward to this. Oh, Sally, thank you so much. I usually do an introduction for my guests and ask them to introduce themselves in their own words, but honestly, you need no introduction. And when I share your works as a resource for mamas and say, have you heard of Sally Clarkson? I often refer to you as the grandmother of homeschooling. (laughs) When I read it in your book that your granddaughter calls you Queenie, I smiled so big because I actually thought, hmm, maybe from now on, I'll call her the Queenie of homeschool because that (laughs) also works very, very, very well. Oh, how fun. How fun. Oh, man, I am so thrilled to read your book, Tea Time Discipleship. I honestly cried so many times while reading it. Um, My beloved grandmother passed away a few months ago, and she discipled from her kitchen table in much the same way that you do, and Mm. really created a sense of belonging around her table and discipled so effortlessly through the way that she lived. And to me, so much of your book is about hospitality through legacy, and it's a message that we need from the grandma's of our time. It's it's a balm for mother's hearts, honestly, and also mm. a direction and a purpose and <clears throat> kind of love and extraordinary hospitality that mothers specifically can bring is just so special. Mm. I love on page 21 when you talk about creating a space for others that says, quote, come here and feast and rest a while. Good food, conversation, and friendship are awaiting you. I have prepared a place for us. You are special and I love spending time with you. Mm. that feeling, that vibe is just such a comforting image. What elements do you think are necessary to create such a space for others? And I'm, I'm also really curious if anyone taught you how to create a space like that and be a great host. You know, um, it, it's a, it's a mixture of many different people, but I was privileged when I was, um, I became a believer through a student ministry. Then I went on staff with them and Kind of, and then I moved to Europe. I ha- actually wrote a little bit about it today on my um, Instagram, but that's not going to be there when you all look for it. <laughs> um, but I, I think that um, the elements that I learned were that first of all, you kind of have to have a heart that says, "Because I love Jesus, I want to do what Jesus wants me to do." And He would reach out, He would love, He would extend Himself, He would give grace to people in His life. So it's it starts out with a heart attitude of a realization that if I am his child, 
then I am to be hospitable in the way that he was hospitable. He cared for people from his own heart. And then um, I think a lot of people just aren't confident to do it. And it's so funny to me because once you become habituated, I would say, to inviting people in and knowing that every person you ever meet in your whole life longs for love, affirmation, belonging, encouragement. And so it just takes, you know, being bold enough to say, hey, let's have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea together. And um, uh, making time for people, looking them in the eye, having questions, tell me your story. Um, I would love to know more about you or, or I just love your dog. Where did you get your dog? Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just that the heart that says, I um, I really want community. I want friends. Uh, I, I don't want to be isolated. Why don't we build a relationship? And um, I, I'm kind of passionate about this book. It's, you know, everybody wants me to write uh, very exact things about um, so what did you say when you home educated or what exact curriculum did you use or what books did you read? And um, those things are all fine. But what I have found is that mothers who are called to high ideals in a culture that doesn't support them um, are likely to give up, are likely to become exhausted. Mm-hmm. And the way to not be exhausted is to develop a community of friends. And often you're the one that has to start it. And so that's kind of my passion about wanting women to understand you can become that hospitable person. Mm -hmm. I love that so much, Sally, because... Oh, you're right about the list. I get that a lot when I talk with homeschool families. It's like, send me your color-coded schedule. Well, I actually yeah. don't have one, you know, or send me the link to where you bought your teapot. Well, I got it at this thrift store, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah. And we're all gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'm trying to copy each other in a way or have something prepared for us when really there are elements other than tablecloths and tea kettles. It's um, a heart for hosting, yeah. like you talked about, and also curiosity. Once upon a time, I heard an expression that said curiosity can be a healthy expression of love and Mm. just sitting down and asking people questions about themselves. People love that. They feel loved. And to be known. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that's the best way you can do it is to share yourself vulnerably and then ask other people questions about themselves and invite them into that safe space. Uh, And another spot in your book on page 42, you say a host provides for the comfort and security of all who cross her doorstep. It was such a short sentence, but it definitely gave me pause because I think that you're right. We live in a world that says this is what hosting looks like. It looks like tablecloths and catering, or it looks like you have to have an immaculate house. And that just isn't the case. It's more about comfort and security and community than anything else. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was um, a young single woman living in Vienna, um, this woman who had probably, she probably just had two or three kids. It seemed like a thousand to me. (laughs) And she invited me to her house and there were, you know, scattered with toys and Legos and this and that and the other. And she literally took her arm and swept off the top of the table from all the toys And then went in and got two cups of um, tea. And she said, now, let's be friends and talk. And um, I was so impressed because she just said, you know, it was kind of her saying, this is my life. Um, These are my children. These are our artifacts. And now I'm going to make space for you in the middle of my very busy life. And it, it always stuck with me that people feel more comfortable when they don't feel like they have to perform. Mm-hmm. Uh, God bless that mom so much. I know. <laughs> You've never forgotten it. <laughs> I will never forget it. 
Yeah, isn't that funny? <laughs> and artifacts. I needed that word. Thank you, Sally. <laughs> oh, man. I Well, you're such a spiritual resource, truly, for moms and women. And in your book, you actually talk about resources of the heart. And I'm just going to put page numbers out there because I want people to note it. I want to put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. I want people to turn in your book to these pages and read these words for themselves. On page 71, you share that, quote, if wisdom, truth, and love have been built up as resources in our hearts, then when we encounter people, they will draw wisdom, truth, and love from the ways we speak to them and interact with them. People draw from what we have invested in our souls over the years. So, so very good. Can you share some ways that you have invested in your soul over the years? Because we definitely gain wisdom, truth, and love from your works. And it feels like I'm sure a lot of us feel like we're at that starting place of how can we invest in our souls? Well, um, just kind of to let everyone else feel at ease, no one had taught me this. Um, you know, you, you learn it a little bit as you go. And, and what I realized is my children thought I was a genius. They didn't know that when I read them a book, it was the first time I'd ever read about that person <laughs> or when I read a story. But um, I kind of, I'm a very goal-oriented person. And I realized many years ago that whatever I practice daily is what I was going to become. Um, and so I, uh, I kind of wrote in my journal, I want to, I want to grow intellectually. Um, I, and so I began looking for, um, sources of good books and, um, and good stories and, and, um, all the literature that I had never read when I was in school as a child. And, um, I made time every day. Um, you know, it was an anchor in my day. Um, mainly I learned most of what I learned by reading out loud to my children an hour or two a day. Um, but I first got up in the morning and I learned that I needed to spend time in um, scripture every single day, if possible. Mm-hmm. Obviously there are exceptions to that. There's ear infections. Um, there's a, 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 you know, a washer that, that bursts open, whatever it is. But, um, it's the habits that you do. I, I wanted to grow spiritually, so I made that a habit. I wanted my children to grow spiritually, and I grew more when I was accountable for them, so I had devotions with them every day. Um, I read every single day that I could, um, and I always had um, tapes in the cars, um, you know, audio tapes or um, wonderful stories to listen to. Um, and I also would invite people over for a cup of tea that were interesting. We would have speakers in our home. If I heard that somebody was having a speaker and I would say, do they need a meal? Um, And then I would have all of us uh, ask questions of the speaker. I would say, you know what? You are so intelligent. Nathan, Sarah, Joel, Joy, whatever. Um, What would you like to ask the speaker? Um, I would, I would seek out places where I could grow intellectually. So it was a, it was a treasure hunt. And um, I figured that that's what it was for my children too, that I saw their little heart says treasure chest how could I fill it with great thoughts great beauty great inspiration and um, that's kind of what I feel like I wanted to do for people who came to my home to give them a bigger view of life and to leave my house feeling like they were exactly the person to live a great story Hmm. so good Sally oh my gosh (laughs) I'm such a gusher now I'm like super gushing Gosh, gosh, I'm sitting here by myself working in a project with my dog and she's not gushing. So. <laughs> well, I see. It's so cute. <laughs> oh, man, it's it's so good because oh, it 
make slowing down and inviting people over and making time for a cup of tea and friendship seem really worth it because we're so schedule oriented and so hustle culture surrounded that it feels like we don't have time. We could easily write everybody off and say, I'm too busy. I don't have time. I'm trying to protect my time. And we're so focused on that instead of actual treasure hunts. Mm -hmm. And I think that what we actually want out of life is treasure hunts, truly. And and to give ourselves permission to do exceptional things when we need them, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I read that um, an article that said that uh, women between 20 and 40 years old are um, more addicted to drugs now, um, depression drugs and, and different kinds of drugs than they ever have been. Or, or not addicted, but that they're seeking them out because they're depressed and lonely. And also suicide has risen exponentially amongst women um, in that category. And I think, no, no, let's, all you need is a friend. You know, you need to reach out. There is somebody like you who is also lonely and overwhelmed with life who really longs to have a, a comrade in arms. Mm-hmm. And seeking, seeking those out, it feels so important for sure. It's not just for you, it's for your children too. Oh yeah. Setting that example of them, of what hospitality and friendship and closeness and making time for people looks like for sure. Cause they are, they're a product of the hustle culture too. I feel like with everything mm-hmm. going on, another um, encouragement you offer us is about maturity. I actually feel like that's something that's really lacking in our culture too. You say on page 85, the truth of scripture is food for your mind, spiritual nourishment for growing in maturity, faith, and wisdom. I think that that's actually three things that moms struggle with in our modern culture because we're not encouraged to come to motherhood from a mature angle. We're right. you know, told to put our kids down or say that they're a burden or look for convenience and just not a lot of maturity is encouraged there. And we're not really told to acknowledge our spiritual needs in a very secular world that wants to maintain secular it's secular status for the sake of who knows what these days. And we're also told to turn to quote unquote experts for quote unquote wisdom as if we can't have any within ourselves. I just had a conversation with my best friend this morning along those lines of experts making questioning where it is. She got the wisdom um, of knowing her child. And it's like, well, I'm his mother and I've been with him and I want what's best for him. And why can't that be wisdom too? How do you recommend moms opt out of such messaging and feed their minds with spiritual nourishment and and get around all this nonsense? Well, I mean, I I think that most everything I did was a risk. It was by faith. You know, I would would look at um, education and I would think education isn't doing a good job for, for my children. At least it didn't for me. And so I would read everything I could and step out in faith and start doing it. You know, I think that there were so many people in my life who doubted what I was doing that of course, on those terrible days when everything is falling apart and everyone was fussing and there was a mess and you thought, is this my life? Um, I would I would question myself, but then I would always either have a quiet time, um, read uh, and some kind of an ideal or something, and I would think, no, this is so important. This matters so much. And I think that there are enough of us out there writing about biblical ideals and encouragement and inspiration um, be careful what you feed your mind on. Be careful what you spend time reading. Um, because I look back now and I, I realize that I, uh, you know, when God says to worship him with your whole mind, um, I have capacity. I have intelligence. I have been gifted by God with the ability to assess things because I have filled my whole life with his wisdom 
and I seek out wise um, friends and I seek out wise, uh, you know, foundations. And um, none of us is perfect. Uh, being an idealist and doing exceptional things is not about being perfect. It's about investing in the direction of what is excellent. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. It's part of the honesty of your message, honestly, that you talk about that, that people aren't perfect, that we have a sinful nature, that we get grouchy. Um, and even moms who strive to love their children with all their hearts and embrace them and positive parent and all the things that we try to do, mm-hmm. our hearts still get grouchy from time to time. What mm-hmm. advice do you have for moms in those grouchy moments? And how do you acknowledge that grouchiness without staying there or feeling like we've completely ruined the day in that one moment of grouchiness? I think again, when I go to the word and I find God's grace, I think also it's it's kind of owning up to your own sin. Yeah. <laughs> in other words, if you're a grouch, get over it. You know, move, move in the direction of growth is what I was saying. But um, I remember when I was a young mom and I went to this mom's night out, similar to what I'm kind of proposing in the book a little bit. And um, I thought, I'm not going to go. I've had a terrible day and I haven't been a great mom and I don't feel like seeing anyone, but I went. And every mother there said, oh, I just almost felt like I didn't even like my child today. I'll always love them, but it was terrible. And and this child had you know made messes and this mother had done this or that or the other. And the odd thing was all of us left feeling better because we were in the company of other fellow warriors for children. Um, and I realized that um, sometimes you just need to know you're not alone. And um, I've always said also that wise women copy wise people. Um, I would look for, uh, you know, I would listen to women who maybe were further along than I was. And um, I would try to copy women and their ideas. And I do think that um, when you are alone, you become a target um, of discouragement. You become a target of um, Satan seeks whom he may devour. Mm And when um, I I noticed, I was going to say this a minute ago, my Bible study in Oxford, um, a lot of women have come to my house for, or to me for Bible study for, um, this is our third year together. Now all of their kids are friends um, because they started becoming such close friends in the study. They never knew each other before. And now their kids, because they would get together as families, are all friends. And there's a byproduct of investing in the lives of people who are your age, your, you know, your ideals and so on. And um, I think that patience is just something you have to work at over time. Um, I'm waiting to be perfect maybe when I'm 70. Um, (laughs) I haven't made it in my 60s, but maybe when I'm 70, I'll be better. But I do get better every year, and I also see my sin more and more every year. So Mm -hmm. it's just a process. Gosh, even at 42, I can resonate with that. I still feel so young in a lot of ways, but I can see the maturity that's happened over the years. And then also, yeah, the older I get, the more I realize just how flawed I am, but then also how much, how acknowledging that makes it easier to turn it around and apologize to and say, gosh, you know, my hunger is no excuse for my sin of yelling or, you know, my hormones being off balance is is hard at 42. (laughs) I know that. I think that humility makes you gentler. Mm. You know, the more that you can just present yourself to your children as well, I'm flawed, but I'm growing just like you are. Sally, I feel like that message was for me a little bit too. I mean, quite selfishly, that humility makes you gentler because um, 
gosh, just to be personal and vulnerable for a moment, a couple of years ago, I really felt like God put it on my heart to work on detachment, um, to start preparing for the move from Maui to Idaho. Um, and then now since being in Idaho, we've only been here for about a year. Um, I feel a call to humility big time. And I just, that, <laughs> that word and that notion just really has been on my heart and mind. And I feel like I'm personally trying to sort that out and understand. I mean, I kind of can understand the purpose of it. I do understand why it's a good thing to work on, but I'm just really latching on to all anytime anyone has a positive message about humility and what it can bring and foster. And I would appreciate that in my life, you know, to be gentler and, and more patient. And I love that so much. And you're a person who's moved a lot, actually. And I'd love for you to speak into our hearts about that, because I have so many listeners who have moved um, over the years. I was in one place for almost 20 years. And I was in one house for almost 10 years. My son was born there um, 15 months ago. And it just has been quite the transition if you will. And we have so much Hanai family. It's called Hanai family, like your chosen family in Hawaii. There are women there who feel like my sisters. We went through all the lockdown stuff together and did all of that. And we were so strong together and we still feel strong together, just not face to face present. And that's hard. It's hard for us to be away from our aunties there too, that are like our grandmas. And we've also been embraced by community here. And at the same time, it's still not easy. As someone who splits their time between two countries and has moved quite a few times, what advice do you have for mamas who have moved and are experiencing all these different emotions and longing for community too? I think that um, the reality is, is that to to cultivate close friendships takes time. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the reasons it takes time is you want people to understand you in your context. And I feel like the older I get, the less energy I have to tell people my story. Like when I first meet someone, I'm kind of like, oh, it's too long a story. (laughs) Um, But uh, I do think that, um, you know, just being patient, um, keeping up with your old friends. I have regular calls with both my children um, as well as um, old friends that, um, you know, we, I even have a, a weekend where I invite the people who have worked with me for years because we're kindred spirits. And, um, I've made sure to put things, anchors in my life that help me to keep going because, um, and even now I'm, I'm home, um, for a month here and, um, I've got all sorts of work to do and deadlines that are people don't even know about. But I have made a concerted effort to call every single friend who's close to me and get together with them and spend time with them multiple times because I know that um, just keeping up with dear friends is going to always encourage me. And um, I think it's, it's, um, it is hard to, to go to a new place, but I've always been the one in general who had to start my own Bible studies, my own small groups, my own book clubs, my own dinner clubs. Um, I'm the one that would have to go to a group and or put up on Facebook or wherever and say, hey, does anyone want to get together? And that's where I found my closest friends. Mm, I love that so much. I also jotted down dinner club because that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> and that'd be fun. I mean, and you take turns, you know, or you get it, you send out to the pizza place, whatever. Yeah, but it's, it's fun to eat together. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Eating together, I think, is so important. It just brings a extra level of face-to-face closeness. Uh, so it's so good. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's the wonderful thing about your book, too, is that you're not just talking about care for the soul, although you do say in your book on page 111 that a wise woman takes care of her soul. Such a good reminder for us, especially as moms. And your tips for how to take care of our souls include practical things like recipes, which are so awesome. I can't wait actually to try the scone one. And then tea suggestions, as well as your favorite magazines, films, music, and food. Do you have a favorite recipe from your book? I'm curious. Do you know, I I mean, I really don't. I, I love to cook uh, cooking at home. I, I want someone else to clean up the dishes. Um, yeah, fair enough. Yes. But- <laughs> And, um, but, uh, I just, I like to collect really, uh, comforting food recipes that don't take too much time Mm. that I can prepare for ahead of time. A lot of times I will cook up a whole bunch of meat or chicken or whatever and put it in freezer baggies so I can just dump it into something at the last minute. But, um, I do, um, I think that to take time to make scones and, uh, whip up the cream for clotted cream and have jam really makes it a special time. Um, I guess one of my recipes that I love there that I only do once in a while is the cold raspberry soup Um, because it's refreshing, it's unexpected, and I've served that at the beginning of meals when I have women over. It's not that hard, and you just think, raspberry soup? And um, you, you put a dollop of whipped cream in the top of it. So I would say maybe my raspberry soup recipe is a really fun recipe that most people don't know about. Oh my gosh. I love that so very much. And we have a raspberry bushes in our yard, so I cannot oh, wait to tell my kids about that. They'll be so stoked. They always wonder, what can we do with the raspberries besides just pick them and eat them. And maybe we'll stash some away for that. That's awesome. Um, I, I loved all your suggestions, actually, even down to like Pride and Prejudice as a movie suggestion. <laughs> you talk about getting together with women just as a fun question. If you could mash up all of your favorite things in one afternoon, what would be like the most soul filling afternoon for you in your home? Well, a lot of women aren't going to understand this quite yet, but my favorite people in the world are my children. Um, they have become adults that I just adore. And so it would start out with some kind of fabulous meal or some kind of a tea time spread that I prepared ahead of time. Um, we would gather around the table with uh, candlelight and music, and that would go on for hours because we never ceased to talk. Um, and then we would probably gather around and watch some kind of a, I always let them watch what they want. My adult children <laughs> have a lot of a lot of new ideas for me, and I, I love them. And so we would probably watch or do something that they wanted to do. It would probably include all going out on a hike. If we were in Oxford, it would be on the canal. If it was here in Colorado, it would be in the mountains near me. Mm-hmm. Um, so those would be the elements. And always it would just, um, there. it would be them, their spouses, my grandchildren. We just are kind of a club. I know that seems funny, but no, uh, because no. we've spent so much time investing over all the years. Um, and I have another set of friends that I could also enjoy that with. But honestly, um, my children and I have, and Clay, have become such dear friends who love each other, enjoy each other, and giggle together, know each other's warts. So that's what it would be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I love that so much. It's so good for me to hear because 
my children are still very young, but I still look at them every once in a while as we're sitting around the table or just hanging out or, you know, homeschooling or whatever it is. And I just look at them and admire them so much and think you are so cool. I can't even believe that I get to know you my whole life. And I will say that out loud to them. I'm like, I just enjoy being with you so much. And I feel like it's such an honor to be able to, to be your mother. But then the fact that I get to know you for your whole life, like this is so awesome. It's so, and you just can't believe who they become. (sighs) I'm shocked at my children with the imperfections of my life that they would become these excellent people. Of course I wanted that. Yeah. Well, my oldest is only nine and a half, but she's moving into that double digits time. And all the stuff that comes with that too. And I see her as more mature and it just, oh, it's throwing me off because I feel like we're at the cusp of something really big and she'll always be double digits from there on out. So I'm just embracing this like super short end of this, you know, single digit that we're in. It's so nice. I do think some of that comes with age and maturity for sure. I think that the fact that I'm 42 has something to do with it, but it doesn't have to just be that way. Younger moms can hear this message too and think that, or I've met younger mom friends here in Idaho who are just so in tune with their kids too, and age has nothing to do with it, but they need that acknowledgement from other moms too, to say, it's okay to love your kids like that. It's okay to see your children as a well, joy. Yeah, and you're, uh, you're building your own best friends yeah. for life, um, mm-hmm. you know, and um, that's a, that's a key to moving. Just always be involved with your kids and you'll always have a best friend. <laughs> Fair enough. We're getting ready to go on a huge RV trip to go to California. Oh my. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be spending lots of time together. <laughs> Hopefully fostering some beer. doesn't mean it's always easy and that you don't have to train and say, look at my eyes. Do you think that's acceptable? Mm-hmm. You know, it's at both end. Oh, for sure. I love that so much. It's a good reminder. Sally, I have one last question for you. Um, I'm actually going to ask you one of your journal prompt questions. I love that there are lines in here and prompts for people to write in your book. I love it so very much. My children are confused by it because they say, why can you write your books and we can't write (laughs) them? But I, I love it so much because you invite us to not only read your words and, and sharing your recipes and try them out, but also reflect on where we are in our motherhood journey. And one of the journal prompts in your book caught my attention on page 139. You ask, what might you do today to help your focus shift from the situation immediately surrounding you to the eternal unseen glory that is being worked out through those situations. And I feel like that's such an important shift for us when we're thinking about motherhood and legacy in our lives. And how might you answer that question? How do you go about shifting your focus? Well, I, we have had um, probably more than people know difficulties in our lives. We've had some mental illness with children. We've had, we've been through everything. Um, car wrecks, hospitalizations, um, church splits, you know, whatever. And there was a time, um, probably when I was around your age, uh, and I thought, oh, you know what? I see a lot of people who are cynical. I see a lot of people who are uh, bitter. I see a lot of people who are defeated because it's pretty hard. It is a hard world. It is a broken world. It's a fearful place. And I thought, I, I don't want to end up being a victim. I want to, I want to be a victor in a sense. And so I, my, my first um, blog was called I Take Joy. <laughs> I wrote a book called Dancing with My Father. Um, I thought, you know, I, I really want to be the person who lights a candle in the darkness, who, I mean, I, I really worked on shaping my lens 
um, of life to, okay, if I'm in a situation now, if I'm really being angry or, or whatever, then myself is speaking to myself. What is making me angry and how do I need to deal with that so that I can get rid of it? And um, my general um, stance in life <laughs> is um, Jacob was a person who wrestled with God and said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And so I think that it's the lens through which you see life. And one of the most determinative things I just established for myself was I will take joy. I will um, get to the bottom of this. I will bring light to darkness. And so a lot of it is you have to continuously allow the Holy Spirit to change your lens, to being grateful, to not being a victim, to understanding that all people have difficulties, and to know that your children are also going to make mistakes but they are so much more receptive when you believe forward in the person they're going to become in spite of their you know, weaknesses. Mm, Sally, you're so incredible. Thank you for that encouragement. It is a message that moms in our modern culture really need to hear. And you have shown through your life and your legacy that it is doable. And oh. your work, the work that you've done uh, on yourself and the work that you've done by sitting down and, and writing about that f- to share with us. We glean so much from that and truly you embody this life giving light that we mm. need as moms and not only in the homeschool world, but in motherhood in general. And I just appreciate it so much. I know that my listeners are going to want to connect with you more. Where would you like them to go to find you? I would say the two main places are, um, you can almost find everything I do at sallyclarkson.com. has my blog, my podcast, different things. But um, I think that a lot of people get the most out of my podcast, which is At Home with Sally. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything I do is Sally Clarkson, sally.clarkson on Instagram, you know, Sally, the real Sally Clarkson on Facebook. So Sally doc, or sallyclarkson.com or my podcast at At Home with Sally. Mm -hmm. I'm going to link to all of those and all of your amazing work that you and Clay both do in the show notes, because I appreciate how it is you're showing up for so many in the world. Thank you so much for this time, Sally. Thank you for your generous uh, sharing of your wisdom. And thank you for this incredible, incredible and beautiful book, Tea Time Discipleship. I really appreciate you. Oh, you are a great interviewer. I would just like for you to live next door. (laughs) It'd be really fun. And I will be praying for you to find kindred spirits and to really feel at home there where you are in your new home. Oh, thank you, Sally. That's it for this episode of Elevating Motherhood. Thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found some insight and inspiration or maybe a little of both. If you like today's show, please leave a review on iTunes. I use your feedback to plan future shows and cover topics that serve you. You can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. Links to those accounts are in the show notes. For more information, including today's show notes, head to elevatingmotherhood.com. That's elevatingmotherhood.com. Thanks again, Mama. I appreciate you.